Cappuccino with uh, Constable Brian, our special guest today. Probably the lady that your uh, parents or maybe even yourself goes, shh, shh, I want to hear this when she turns up on screen on Saturday and Sunday. A lady of Chinese Dutch origin who uh, graduated from AUT with a Bachelor of Comms in Journalism in 2003. She then worked at TVNZ for five years until 2007 on the night shift uh, as a reporter, as a presenter, and then she went to MediaWorks from 2007 to 2011. 2011, she goes to become European correspondent for MediaWorks. Correct me if I'm wrong with any of this so far as well. Then she comes back and not only uh, has she got herself engaged, but she's also a reporter and the presenter on News Hub. And uh, she was once a poster girl for the All Blacks too. <laughs> she loves hardcore house dance music and is practicing to be a DJ. Uh, but there's more to go on with that. So my absolute pleasure and privilege to introduce you to Melissa Davies. Welcome, Melissa. Oh, thank you very much. You know more about me than no, most people. It takes a wee while, but we get there. <laughs> so we do, and I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, and I don't blame you if you haven't, because there's only really three listeners. My mum, my dad, my best mate, so that's all good. I'm going to give you the pop quiz, because we love, I love the movie Speed. So this is your pop quiz hotshot. So use the word welly-wanging in a sentence. Ah, Meghan Markle beats Prince Harry at welly wanging. There we go. And just to prove to you that you can outsmart somebody there, uh, the last time Melissa said, I bet that's the last time oh, yes. that sentence. <laughs> it isn't. All right, because you used to be a European correspondent, who should be the next James Bond and why? Oh, well, I really like the idea of Idris Elba. People have been speaking about the fact that he may be the next James Bond anyway. I would love to see somebody of um, different ethnic origin and it doesn't hurt that he's rather easy on the eye as well. And a house DJ as well. And yeah, a house yeah, DJ, yeah, yeah. Right, yes. So the last book you read or the book that you're currently reading is? Um, I'm still, it's been around for a while, but I'm still getting through Fire and Fury by Michael Wolfe about the Trump administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good work. Uh, what was for dinner last night at Melissa's? Oh, actually, I went to Tom McRae's house, my colleague. Yeah. It was his birthday, and we had a teppanyaki dinner for, mm, for dinner. There you go, nice. Uh, and we'll, for the listener, there'll be a little bit of a time for this next question, but we'll just let Melissa answer it first. Your specialist topic at pub quizzes is what? Oh, well, current events, <laughs> um, anything that's been in the news recently, I'm okay at. I'm not very good on old recall. Um, other than that, maybe 90s pop and hip hop music. Oh, <laughs> why, why can I hear Ace of Bass playing oh, something? Yeah. I saw the sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what's your current cell phone wallpaper? Oh, it's a picture of my fiancé DJing. Beautiful. Uh, what's one item that you've achieved off your bucket list? Oh, um, I went parasailing. There you go, that's alright. Alright, here we go, because you're a budding DJ and I'm going <laughs> to give you a challenge after we've finished as well. What is the most beautiful song of all time? And you don't have Whoa. to tell us the one that you're going to play at your wedding. Um... See, the funny thing is, although I really like house music, I really love old music as well. And um, 
my favorite movie is Wizard of Oz. So actually, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Judy Garland version is probably one of my all-time faves. All right, there you go. Nice work. And if you look very carefully at that movie, and I'll send you a picture later on, somebody has a, a disturbing resemblance to one of the munchkins. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you left AUT, you go out into the big wide world, and you luckily land a job at TVNZ. What was that like? And can you remember your first starstruck moment when you started there? And yes. was it? Okay, so at first it was... It was quite difficult because I was still studying and I was working through the night at TVNZ from 11 till 8 in the morning, then going straight to uni, doing all my coursework, then going home for a few hours sleep, then going back to work. And I actually was taking at the time these caffeine pills to keep me awake, but now as a result, caffeine makes me really sick. So I, I do remember those early days very well. Um, and my first starstruck moment I'll never forget was meeting Judy Bailey. Yeah. And she's still, she's the most um, lovely, generous woman, but every time I meet her, I'm still starstruck. I can't get over it. Uh, that's all good, that's a good thing. And for those that ask, as people always do, uh, that's the reason Melissa's not having a coffee with me. <laughs> I've actually brought her some tea up. For those of that are interested, it's Jocko Willink, who ha happened to be an ex-Navy SEAL commander's white tea and pomegranate mix, but we'll talk about that mm. later on. There you go. Um, so you finally get in front of the camera. What's your first story, and can you remember it? Yes, um, my first story was in, um, I went down to Hamilton, I think it was to one of the training schools there where they were have they'd set up a driving simulator and so it was a, a story about how the simulator was going to help with designing roads to be safer and um, I remember I did my piece to cam sitting in this driving simulator and I just thought I was so fancy doing something a little bit different but looking back on it now it was just terrible but it was very exciting at the time. No, look, as long as it worked for you that's all good. And I bet you, your mum and your parents and everybody else has still got a videotape of it somewhere. Yeah, so. well it's on VHS so I don't know if we can watch it anymore. <laughs> Upload it on YouTube, I do, yeah, no, I tease. Um, so you leave TVNZ and you go to Media Weeks for, uh, Media Weeks for a few years before becoming the European correspondent there. How exciting was that? Because that's got to be like, wow. Yeah, that was great. That was a dream job. So I had written myself a letter when I was about 12 with, you know, this is what I want to do when I'm older. And, and I found it just before I went to London. And in there was saying, you know, I, I would love to work overseas and I'd love to work in journalism. And it was just cool that I could, I realised all my... Um, working dreams were, were coming together and it was exciting because there were so many big events that were going to be coming up over the time that I was there. Um, I'd done a bit of travel already but um, hadn't really lived overseas before so it was there was a lot of reasons to be excited. And let's face it from what I found out about your childhood you were either going to do Juno or you were going to be a cheesy game show host because yes. <laughs> is that a true story about you lining up your relatives and actually giving them quizzes is that true? Yes so um, I have three younger sisters and I used to either line them up on the stairs and I had the children's encyclopedia and I'd make up questions to ask them in a game show or I would um, there was another game we often played where they would stand against a wall and I'd give them spelling questions and if they got the question wrong, I could throw a water balloon at them. They still had the opportunity to dodge it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was 
yep. educational and fun. All right, so coming coming soon to TV3, Mel's water balloon <laughs> duck. Um, so, so obviously your European correspondence thing is a 24-7 gig. How do you normally sleep? Like, do you normally sleep quite well? Because I'm guessing, uh, I let's say this from being a shift worker, uh, it plays havoc on your body. So did you normally yeah. sleep okay or not? Yes, I think um, those early days doing shift work at TVNZ and being Europe correspondent where we were flying all different times of the day or I'd be working through the night um, taught me to sleep anywhere, anytime. Yeah. And do you did you get used to being woken? And this is the $64 million question. I've had lots of people say, oh, ask her this. How did you find out about the news breaks while you were sleeping? Did your producer from New Zealand ring you up and yes. say, hey, Melissa, you better get to Paris? Yep. Yes, yep. someone would call me. But I also have on my phone, oh, I don't know how many um, different news organisations, their notifications yep. set up. And even still now, I get the UK alerts during the night and for the big ones I'll, I'll wake i'll hear it and i'll wake and then i can go straight back to sleep but i just like to have i like to know what's happening through the night <laughs> crazy okay all right um so royal weddings births and deaths you've covered them all pretty much what do you think the fascination with the royal family is for new zealanders given the fact that we really like our own strong local kiwi identity as well yeah i think it's a really interesting one because Kiwis aren't into the class structure no, no. at all. I think we like them perhaps more from a celebrity element, but I think also our interest is around Prince William and Prince Harry because of the experience they had um, with Princess Diana's death. I think as Kiwis, we feel that that shows they're real people, you know, and even though they're held in very high regard in terms of the class structure in Britain. I think we see them just as, as real people. And to now see them getting married and have chil having children, I think that's something that Kiwis really value. Yeah, and I know some people that have met Harry, um, all military personnel, and they always say, he's really good, he's just a good military man. Yeah. And there's no ears and graces, pretty much. Yeah, so. I spoke with the, the team that were doing the Invictus Games, and they said they just call him bro and yeah. cuz, and he's yeah. totally fine with that. In fact, I think he's more comfortable in that military setting where everyone is equal. Now, did I read somewhere that you've met the Queen? Yes. All right, now I'm going to have to ask you a question from my inner Billy Connolly monologue that's going on in my head. <laughs> What does she smell like? Does she smell like oh. a queen should? Can you remember even or not? I can't remember what she smells like because I, it was a bit of a shock to me that I was actually going to get to shake her hand. So all I could think about was how I was meant to curtsy. And, but what I do remember is she was wearing a glove and I guess because she was shaking about 50 people's hands at once that the time I met her. And it was the softest white glove I've ever ever touched I think. There you go. Until your own wedding day of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so what was the worst story that you've covered while you've been in Europe? Uh, unfortunately there were a few but the Bataclan Theatre shootings in Paris were really upsetting because they were shootings at innocent people who were out enjoying their evening and so random and and it wasn't only the shootings themselves and the people that it injured and, and killed and their families that night that were affected, but the people in the following days and still now that 
just don't feel safe in their own city. Mm-hmm. And it was bizarre having people messaging me saying, please keep safe. And I was like, I'm in Paris. I, sh- I shouldn't have to have people worrying about me at home. Yeah. I'm in Paris. Yeah, and uh, I read that you thought you had a close call as well, but in actual fact, uh, yeah. your other fellow presenter, who's a gentleman that you now currently work with all the time, that's where you first two met, wasn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Tom McRae and yeah. I um, met because we were both covering that, and we were both out reporting when there were reports of gunshots in the area, and I was on uh, live at, at the time, and we had to cut the um, broadcast short so that I could run off and... Um, find somewhere to seek shelter and I you know text my mom and text my partner to say basically I love you yeah. and um, hope that everything is okay which is what police officers do as well just quite <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah well yeah, yeah you must face that situation yeah. all the time but you always text loved ones just to let them know you're okay or yeah. So, yeah so so given the current climate that's going on in Europe uh, and let's face it it is getting fairly bad over there where in Europe would you have second thoughts about living at the moment? Ah, uh, um, probably. I actually do have a lot of um, friends and colleagues that live in Turkey, but I think that's somewhere because there have been increasing um, suicide attacks that I would probably think twice about living yeah. there. So you've covered events such as terrorist attacks, royal events, economic crisis. Uh, the Great Madibas, Nelson Mandela's funeral. What's the one event that you always remember or sticks with you and why from your time as going overseas oh. as European correspondent? Oh man, that is hard. Yep, you um, for the next one if you think that one's hard. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it was always so, at first I was there, I wanted to cover a royal wedding. I, I did that. Then I thought, oh my gosh, being at Nelson Mandela's funeral would be amazing. And I was able to do that. Um, I've just been so lucky. Then I thought the ultimate sports event would be All Blacks versus Australia at Twickenham. And then it happened, I couldn't believe it. And then I thought, well, nothing's gonna top that. And then I went to Bermuda for the America's Cup and Team New Zealand won. So I can't pick between any of those. (laughs) And let's be honest, Brian and Bobby have actually adopted Melissa Davies as the, shall we say, guardian angel for Team New Zealand because (laughs) All those pictures you see of her, she's either on the boat or standing right next to the America's Cup. So we think oh. that she might be lady luck for them. So if you could go back in history and report on any one event live as it happened, what would it be and why? Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll probably think of something later that I'll think, oh, damn, I wish I said that. You can email but, me then and I'll say, yeah. just FYI. <laughs> An update. Yeah. But I think because reporting live, you want things to be developing at the time, I think it would have been quite incredible to be the, on the day of the OJ Simpson mm. car chase and the trial and everything that unfolded after that. Mm, there you go. Um, are you a conspiracy theorist or not? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So with currently everything that's going on in Europe, does the journalistic part of you kind of think, oh, I wish I was still there? Yes, I find Brexit in particular fascinating. Uh, I do wish I was still there, but I am loving being home uh, around friends and family and, you know, New Zealand summer is amazing and there's lots of good things going on here too. So 
Um, I do miss it, but I'm loving being home. Yeah, and Mel does what every decent Kiwi girl does when she goes to Europe. She meets her fiancé in a pub. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, in a pub quiz. Uh, and I love this. I've never heard this saying before, but I love it. And I'll show you a picture of myself later on with my facial furniture. It's tremendous. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, she um, meets up with a gentleman who has a, an, an amazing beard. <laughs> which she refers to as facial furniture, and she gets married this year, so congrats anyway. How is your fiancé settling, settling into being, and let's be honest, because I'm an immigrant, um, and I know what it's like a little bit when you arrive in a country and you, you're said, oh, you're such and such. How's he settling into being Mr. Melissa? <laughs> um, I think he thinks it's quite funny because he had no idea over there that... Um, that I was a reporter. In fact, he wondered what I did because because the with the time zone, I'd have to get up at say three in the morning to go and do live crosses. He thought, why on earth is my girlfriend getting up at three in the morning, putting makeup on, going out, then coming back home at about seven in the morning? Yes. You <laughs> so should have hung up a superhero costume in your water. Yes. Nailed it. So, so here, now here's a sixty-four million dollar question for you again from my Anna Billy Connolly. Have you ever seen your fiance clean shaven? No. Yeah, okay. Because that, I mean, are you worried that maybe he yes. shaves it off one day and he looks like? Because I work with guys that they shave their beards off, and you're like, oh my god, he looks like he's six years old. Yeah. So, my uh, first, uh, the first thing that my sister asked him when she met him was, "What's your chin like?" <laughs> oh, well, you, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, so you come back to New Zealand. Um, what's the biggest change that you noticed in New Zealand on your arrival after you've been out? And what did you miss the most about us? Because everybody says, oh, it's pineapple lumps. But yeah, really, it isn't pineapple lumps, let's be honest. Yeah. No, it was Kiwi chip dip. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I, I miss the Kiwi attitude in that when you're in the UK, you have to have accreditation and um, clearance to do everything. Um, and if you're filming with officials, then everything has to be exactly to the rules. Whereas in New Zealand, if you're um, going to interview the Prime Minister or you're going to interview police, it's it's not so, um, it's, the rules aren't, they can be flexible in yep. New Zealand. You know, we're pretty um, pragmatic in that way. You were not as stuffy as a lot of people. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you use the word, not me. Yeah. And let's be honest, we are cheeky little buggers as well sometimes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, what has been your biggest gaffe on air? Have you ever had a shade of Sasha McNeil? And I didn't say this to her during the podcast, I should have done, where she mentioned the famous, oh, we've just had a shag on the rocks. Oh, um, that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a gaffe as bad on air? Or uh, I would like to help Sasha out here and say that I have, but I'm sorry, Sasha, I haven't. <laughs> that, that'll go down in history. Um, no, I've, I can't really remember anything terrible. I'm sh there's time. I'm sure yeah, it'll yeah, come. Yeah. I've got to be honest. Uh, my wife and I sat there for a couple, well, probably about half an hour last night watching news bloopers. There's a compilation of a whole pile of them. Melissa Davies did not feature once. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, so good work. Yeah, yeah, the consummate professional. So, somebody once said, journalism has the power to affect change by highlighting issues to a wide audience. However, with that power comes a responsibility to be truthful, accurate, and caring. That's you, by the way. All right. So, with that in mind, are you worried about the current state of journalism slash news reporting in the world? 
given the fact we've got things like clickbait, we've got social media, um, I know that you are not really a big fan of paparazzi, um, you've got people like TMZ out there reporting, how do you see it panning out in the next five to ten years? Uh, I think there is there is a place for what we deem clickbait and I think we kind of have to think about what what is clickbait and if clickbait is something that people want to read then then that's fine but it's this you won't believe what happened yeah. that I think oh my goodness there's um, you know that's a different kind of website than yeah. than news but I'm not I wouldn't say I'm particularly worried I think there's still a lot of people in the industry that um, really value investigative reporting and um, hold the values of truthfulness and accuracy still at the heart of, of what they do. Um, it's just that it's harder for people to wade through the other stuff to get there. So I think as as readers and consumers of media, it's actually more up to us to find the, the websites and the sources that we can believe in. It, the other stuff is always going to be there. The fake stuff is going to be there. It's just that we need to realize and recognize what it is and yeah. how to get around it. Yeah, which brings brings me on to the next question. Do you worry about the fine lines? And Sasha said she, uh, Sasha McNeil said she was really old school in her thinking and she didn't think some of it was right. Do you worry about the fine lines sometimes that opinion and news, re news reporting seem to be taking at the moment. Um, so you have a reporter who writes an opinion piece and then comes on and presents the news and some people will take that opinion piece as being valid news. Do you have, do you have issues with that or do you think that that's something that maybe we should squash or we should have a big heater up above the thing <laughs> saying this is Melissa's opinion or this is Tom's opinion? Yeah, I think, I think it is um, important often to point out when something is opinion as opposed to fact. Um, I think increasingly we want to know about the people that are delivering facts to us as well yeah. because everybody does have a certain bias whether they believe it or not or whether they want to think that or not. So I don't think it's a bad thing that we do learn about the people that we're getting this information from as long as we see it in, in a light that is, we shouldn't just, you know, take things as read yeah. as people. We should always be um, thinking about the alternate side to the to the debate. So I don't think it necessarily worries me as long as it is pointed out yeah. when something is opinion rather than fact. So given that, and I know that one of your, shall we say, journalistic idols comes from CNN. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> And we all know how Fox News and CNN are working at the moment and there's all, all sorts of weird and wonderful <laughs> things going on. Would you want to be a journalist in America at the moment? Um, and if you were, what do you think would be your greatest threat to your integrity if you were? Um, I actually would like to be a journalist in America at the moment. I think it's a challenging time because I think there are a number of barriers to accessing information and that would be the biggest challenge um, because as journalists you need to be able to access that information to hold people to account and you know when you have people being shut out of um, 
government and presidential press conferences, then that is a real worry for freedom of press. Everything. Yeah, 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 you're exactly right. So, um, let's just sort of have a bit of a dream spell here. I have become the producer of TV3 and I say, Melissa, you've got an interview on the couch with anybody you want for half an hour. Who is it in the world? Uh, well, it's a bit, probably a bit too obvious for me, but the Queen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to sit down with the Queen. That's all good. And the other thing, um, do you get people very often recognising you uh, from the news? Like Sasha told this great story of one of the ladies at her school saying to her, you, there's a lady on TV, she could almost be your twin <laughs> sister. And I know that you guys, and no disrespect, but I know that you guys spend a lot of time in makeup and hair. And you've got your, <laughs> yes, you, we you've do. you got your designer jackets on and everything else. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, wow, she looked nothing like she did on the news because she's yeah. not wearing heels and she's not wearing a designer outfit. No, because she lives sometimes as well. Um, <laughs> so do you get people at the supermarket going, hi, Melissa, or do they just stare? Oh, um, I do get the um, odd person saying hello, and um, and I really like it. I really yeah. love it when people come and, and speak to me, um, because I think probably if people see me on the news, they probably do think, oh, she looks like a bit of a bore. <laughs> <laughs> I probably am actually a bit of a bore. Um, but I also like the fact that in New Zealand, um, being on TV doesn't mean that you're any certainly doesn't mean you're no. better than anybody else no. and people don't really care and I quite like that I really yeah, like that. that is quite good and I think that's the that's still the best thing I mean you talk to some people uh, from sort of uh, a little bit of an era before probably yours and ours mm-hmm. turning up at Pine Tree Meads farm for instance and just sort of wandering in and he'd invite them in to have a cup of tea and that type of stuff yeah. so yeah along may that continue as well yeah. just quietly so you do lots of work for lots and lots of different charities and organisations um, and researching this I saw pictures of you at Rotary doing talks and mm-hmm. I know you do stuff for Sir Peter Blake Trust as well mm-hmm. like I do, you also do stuff for Pink Shirt Day um, as one of my mates would say, you have got a very strong moral compass Oh, right? thank you where do, where do you think that comes from? Um, it comes from my, well all of my family but my grandparents in particular <clears throat> were um, part of Rotary and just when we were younger if we say we went to Fiji and we were staying in a lovely place and you know we were um, we were lucky when we were younger and when how the way we were brought up but we would always go and visit people that weren't in such a, a, a good situation yeah. as we were and I think it um, really opened my eyes to how lucky I, I was and so I will always try and help people in any way I can and often that's time or just understanding or um, listening to people and that's definitely something that my grandparents taught me. Yeah because you did a great and I listened to it I thought it was amazing um, a great great uh, radio live um, show on on immigrants, on immigrants, and why you are uh, here? Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank so, you. Um, so, last question. Well, actually, second to last question for you. First question is this: When you get married, are you going to become Melissa, or are you still going to stay Melissa, Melissa Davies stage name? Well, no, I am going to. You are. Uh, Good work. There'll be a name change. Nice. Um, yep. And yeah, it's 
there's a bit of a story around it, but I'll I'll have to wait yeah, until that happens. I think. But watch this space. So, our last question that we always ask is the the day of your demises come, and you are there, but not there, uh, and you can hear what people are saying at your eulogy. What would you like them to say? Oh, I'm going to say Melissa Davis because I know what your your surname will be in the future. <laughs> but what would you like them to say about Melissa Davis? And you know that there is going to be some horrendous uh, news hub promo shots of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, probably yeah, will. Yeah. Um, but what would you like them to say about Melissa? Um, well, there's a bit of a family joke, and it stems from those games that I used to play with my sisters. That I can't do anything that is fun without trying to make it educational as well. So if um, if they brought up the tagline that my family has given me, which is educational and fun in one, then I would be happy and I'd have a bit of a chuckle. You need to have your own action figure with that. Top <laughs> That's tremendous. Right, so, and finally, my challenges for Melissa Davies is this. Given the fact she's a budding house DJ, right, uh, and I'm guessing you've got mixes as well because I've seen pictures. So this is my challenge for you. I'm going to go overseas in a little bit. Make me a mixtape of about an hour to 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Done. Easy yep. as. All right. So, Melissa Davis, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and so concludes another cappuccino with Constable Brian. Uh, as always, thanks to Melissa Davis for turning up. Actually, we're underneath the Walkworth satellite station. So the sheeps that you can hear bleating... <laughs> Are not me, and they're not <laughs> Melissa. Those are actually real sheep, only in New Zealand. God bless it. Best country in the world. Don't tell anybody. Until the next brew, stay safe and take the time every now and then to smell the coffee. Ooh.